Thank you for tuning in to another presentation from Drs. Quartel and Queller from Q Longevity. If you're looking for guidance to improve your lifespan, health span, or just want to know more, then you're in the right place. You can consider us your personal coaches to help, listen, teach, and entertain. Reach out and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook by searching for Q Longevity, all one word. We'd love to hear from you. And remember, we're all on this ride together, so we might as well make it the best that we can. And we'll see greater success if we do work together. And now, on to our presentation. Hello, my name is David Quartel, and welcome to this podcast. Today, I'd like to talk about health and where it comes from. When I break down health, speaking with patients, I like to talk about health as a triune. Many times we can break health down into five parts, eight parts, 12 parts, 15 parts, but I find it most easily understood when we talk about it in the form of a triune. And the triune, meaning three parts, for our health is made up of our structure, our fuel, and our mind. The first part, our structure, is easy to understand. That's our bones, our joints, our muscles, our ligaments, our tendons, our organs, our tissues. The corporal being, the part that you can touch and feel. Being a chiropractor, I work primarily with people's structure. We talk about posture, we talk about exercise, we talk about movement and balance. The second part of our health that is a component that we work with every day is our fuel. I say every day and I stuttered on that a little bit because sometimes we do fast and we're going to be talking about that too, but the fuel is a major component for our health. And what I mean by fuel is anything that we're putting into our mouth or ingesting on a regular basis that we're trying to turn into body parts. The third part of our health is our mind. And that talks more about our spiritual and our emotional well-being. And sometimes that's a little bit more esoteric or a little bit more out, uh, you know, in left field. Like, how does that influence our, our overall health? And we'll cover that today, too. Um, but I'd first like to talk about our structure. While maintaining human form, while maintaining the human body, it's important to keep it in good shape. This is not... Uh, a, a brand new concept. We've known this for a long time, um, made specifically popular in the 1900s by Jack LaLanne and others that taught us that exercise was good for our bodies. Uh, we know that if you have a, a weak joint, exercise is a good thing for it. We know that if you have a, a stressful posture at work, exercise, movement, chiropractic adjustments, stretching, uh, massage, can be very helpful in improving the, the body's structure. And as we get older, we begin to lose muscle mass. Our ability to exercise maintains that. As we get older, we know that we tend to lose a bone mass, uh, particularly in, in first world countries, the United States, Western countries, and movement, activity, and exercise helps to prevent that as well. Uh, we also know that as we get older, we tend to lose our balance more. Um, and movement exercise helps that as well. Anything that you can think about that involves you getting up and going somewhere or doing an activity is relying upon the body's ability to move. 
and the structure is of unbelievable importance. In addition, the structure allows us to exercise regularly, and regular exercise helps to heal the structure. It makes our joints and it makes our muscles, it makes our heart work better, it makes our lungs, it makes the entirety of the body uh, function as a unit that's cooperating together. For instance, um, I was taught way back in school in the 90s that um, if a patient complains about constipation, tell them to drink a glass of water and go for a walk. We know that movement helps the bowels begin to move. We know that movement helps blood flow go to the brain and the periphery of our tissues. So movement and structure is, is an obvious uh, um, part of our health, and that's usually not one that's it's hard for people to understand. The second one that I'm going to talk about right now is our mind. And our mind is not as easily understood how that can influence our health. I'll go through a couple of of ways that you can understand this. Um, It's not uncommon that you'll hear of a type A personality who has a very stressful job, maybe getting a heart attack when they're young, or someone who is suffering from a, uh, um, a loss or some a big life event that really struck them in a, in a very deeply emotional way, in a very deeply negative way that might die prematurely. We can also see people that have um, depression or sadness or uh, lack of emotional connection. They tend to also have a posture that doesn't look very healthy. It's a stooped posture, it's a slump posture, and that can negatively impact um, the, the structure of the body, which, of course, would negatively impact health. I'll also bring up the fact that many times we see older individuals that have um, pets tend to live longer. There was a, a, a study that was done. It was actually done multiple times. They don't do this anymore because it was so tragic. But what they would do is they would take chimpanzee babies away from the chimpanzee mother, and they would put the chimpanzee baby in a cage and the cage would have everything that the chimpanzee baby would need. It had food, it had water, it had uh, heat, it had a controlled environment, it had everything the baby needed except for the contact of the mother. And invariably, baby chimpanzee baby after baby would die. And the, um, the cause of death was called failure to thrive because we need an emotional connection. We need to feel like we're part of something. We know very well that people that are involved in their society and their community and their religious groups, they have strong family bonds and friends, have a much better lifespan and health span. And that brings me to the, to the third uh, part of the triune of health. The first we talked about structure and then the mind. And then the third one is our fuel. If there's one thing that we can change most readily and see the quickest result is the fuel you put into your body. When we talk about the way that we eat, I tend to say to patients, we're only one meal away from making a change. And that's either making a change in a good direction or in a bad direction, but we're always only one meal away from making a change. The type of change that we're looking for from our fuel could be we're looking to get less healthy and we're going to eat highly processed foods or foods that damage the the body somehow. We might be looking to get healthier and we'll eat whole foods, foods that build the body somehow. The reason I'm using the term somehow is because we all know that we're supposed to eat more fruits, more vegetables. We're supposed to eat grains and and foods in their whole form. 
But why does it affect the body the way that it does? And I'm going to break it down in very simple terms. Um, there are many uh, sources, if you'd like to discover um, the true biochemistry and the true physiology of these interactions. But I found that when speaking with people who kind of just want to get, excuse the pun, the meat and potatoes of the, of the topic, it's too much to belabor on, well, this study did this and that study did that. And I'm just going to cover some basic general concepts that will help you to understand why it's better for the body to eat good fuel and why it's bad for the body to eat bad fuel. How the body functions when we don't feed it for periods of a time or how the body doesn't function when we do feed it for periods at a time. And it's a, it's a very dynamic interaction that occurs in the body. The first concept when we're talking about our fuel is we should be eating whole foods. And a whole food is something that is taken from the way that Mother Nature created it and it arrives in our stomach with very little processing. If I were to go out into my backyard and pick a fruit from a tree, I'd peel it or just wash it off or just take it from the tree and eat it whole, we could make a strong argument that that's an unprocessed food. If I were to take a, uh, a food, maybe a, a banana, we bring it inside, we peel it, and then I cut it up. Well, there's minimal processing there, but it's still relatively unprocessed because the, the nature of that food hasn't really changed. If I go out and I pick an ear of corn and I take that corn and I put it into some boiling water after you know husking the corn and cleaning off the, uh, the, the silk from the corn, and then I boil that corn for some time and I take it out and then I put it in the refrigerator and take it out the next day and eat it cold. We could say that there was some processing there, but essentially the food remains unchanged. And the biggest concept that we should understand when we talk about food and whole foods is that the food remains relatively unchanged as compared to the way that it was grown. Brown rice, we could say is relatively unprocessed compared to white rice. White rice, we remove the hull. Brown rice, the hull is, 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 is intact. The fiber is intact. The germ is intact. Not only the, the, uh, the, the carbohydrate, the fuel inside, but the rest of the rice is still intact. Now, this was picked in maybe a rice paddy field somewhere in another state or another country. It was shipped to a, a store. We bought it in the store. We brought it home. We boiled it. So it is processed, but the, the ingredient, the rice, is still relatively unchanged as compared to when it was first grown. If we were to look at a slice of bread, generally, bread has some degree of processing. There's no way that we can go out and pick uh, from, a, from a bread tree, a loaf of Wonder Bread. It just doesn't exist. Wonder Bread or White Bread, I shouldn't have you know, mentioned Wonder, I feel sad that I called them out by name, but White Bread in general is highly processed versus something like a sprouted grain bread where the, the grains are still in their, in their fairly whole form. They're sprouted, turned into a flour, and then put into bread. Now, this is something that we can also understand if it's, if it's, I, if it's something that I could make in my kitchen 
I also consider it to be relatively unprocessed. If I had a wheat farm out back, I don't have one, but if I had a wheat farm out back and I went out and I collected some some wheat, uh, some wheat berries, I brought them into the house and I had a, a mill in the house, I could grind them down myself, turn them into a flour, or better yet, the corn I mentioned earlier, I can go out back, pick some corn, I can dry the corn, I could then grind that corn down into a fine meal and then use that to create uh, corn tortillas. This is an example of a processed food. The, the corn was taken from the ear, it was ground down and turned into a tortilla in my house, but the, the, the essence of the corn, everything is still there. And the essence of white bread, it's not all still there. There's been a significant adulteration of the wheat from shaft to bag of bread on my counter that turns it into white bread. The, uh, a lot of the fiber was removed, vitamins and minerals might have been added in to make it an enriched wheat product. When we talk about the processing of food, we, we, we have to understand that we're removing vitamins, we're removing minerals, we're removing fiber from the food, and then we might be adding in vitamins and minerals back, but it's not the same as when it was grown. We might even be adding in chemicals that can become potentially harmful or damaging to us. The processing of food changes the nature of the food, thereby changing the way that it affects our body. When we talk about our fuel that we take in, it's this food in particular. Aside from just whole foods or unprocessed foods, we also talk about animal products. Now, the the biggest challenge that I have giving up animal products, and I, I do eat primarily plant-based uh, for most of my meals. Um, I am known to you know cheat on occasion and have a, a chicken wing here or an egg over there, maybe a little bit of cheese and some pizza, but I'm primarily plant-based. And the reason for that is because of the effect of animal products on the body. We're not entirely sure why animal products cause the body to degenerate faster. It shortens our health span and causes us to have a higher incidence of chronic disease and degenerative change in the body when we eat animal products on a regular basis, when it's a, a part of our regular diet. The type of, uh, of animal products that I'm referring to are anything from an animal. This involves eggs, this involves dairy, this involves fish, it involves pork, it involves cow, it involves chicken, it involves turkey, anything that comes from an animal. If it has a mother or a father, if it has eyes, if it slithered, if it crawled or came out of an animal, it is considered an animal product. Now the one exception that I'm going to mention here is honey. Honey, although it is created by an animal, um, it doesn't have uh, the same necessarily effect as other animal products. However, uh, we, um, we certainly don't recommend adding a, a ton of sugar to your diet in the form of honey. So when we talk about animal products, there are two main considerations that um, I like to discuss. The first one is putrefaction, and that's the act of rotting. Many patients that I speak with don't have regular bowel movements. 
in my opinion, you should be having a bowel movement two, maybe three times a day, at least once a day. Uh, it should be a, a full, satisfying bowel movement, and it should clear out the foods that we've been eating. Most times, I'll talk to people like, oh yeah, I'll poop maybe every two or three days, which means that you have foodstuffs in there, in your gut, for several days at a time. If you were to take, let's say, a piece of chop meat, you go to the store, you buy some chop meat, take that chop meat, put some of your saliva in it, mix it up, put it in a, in a dark, moist environment, heat it up to about 100 degrees Fahrenheit, and let it sit there on your counter for 36 hours. If you came by 36 hours later, opened up that container, you're going to be smacked in the nose with an awful, awful stench. That stench is the rotting, it's the putrefaction of food. When you're eating beef, chicken, fish, turkey, ham, eggs, cheese, that same rotting occurs in your gut. If that food is not processed immediately when it's in your gut, which it typically isn't, it begins to uh, decay and it releases uh, negative products, it releases toxins, it releases um, the, those uh, uh, substances of putrefaction and they're, they're toxic to the body. They don't smell good, they don't feel good, they make your, uh, your farts stink and um, they cause you to have uh, you know, potential ill health in the gut. In addition, these animal products foster the growth of bacteria in the gut that don't help with maintaining a low inflammatory state. When we talk about gut inflammation, we talk about how the body can experience a food baby. And if you've never had a food baby, lucky, God bless you. Most individuals that I speak with have food babies uh, you know, regularly. Uh, and that's where you eat something that goes into your stomach and it causes you to have lower GI bloating. It feels almost like you have a, you know, a food baby in your intestines. These food babies are typically associated with the fostering of unhealthy bacteria in the gut in, as a response to eating foods that are not good for your gut bacteria. The bacteria in our intestines are there to help us. They provide us with uh, nutrients and, um, and they process our foods in such a way that allows us to maintain good, healthy body, healthy structure. If we alter our bacteria in our gut, we alter our ability to maintain overall ideal health. The bacteria in the gut are best fed by vegetables, particularly fiber-containing vegetables, fiber-containing fruits, plant products. The plant products help to foster the six to eight pounds of bacteria that we all have in our intestine to be a good, healthy, anti-inflammatory bacteria. If we're eating a lot of animal products, if we're eating a lot of processed foods, these foods stimulate the growth of bacteria that are not as healthy for our gut. And this is where the fuel comes in. The fuel that we put into our body affects us from a, at a cellular level by creating inflammation, by creating irritation. The ability of the body to overcome different changes in our diet 
is easy if the changes are small and most of our diet is very clean. If the majority of our diet is not clean, we have tremendous problems. And this is one of the reasons why we age so quickly and we become uh, you know, um, disease-ridden at typically a very young age. So what do we do about this? Like I said before, the easiest way to transition toward better health is through our diet. If I want to get better health through exercise, it will take me weeks or months to really begin to see some significant changes in my overall health. Right away, I'm going to be sore for maybe a week or two if I start an exercise program. I'm going to have to um, figure out where I'm going to exercise. It's a challenge. I would have to figure out what type of exercise I'm going to be doing. I might experience an injury when I'm first exercising that will cause me to have a setback. Without changes in my diet, my weight loss will occur, but it'll be very slow. I might lose a pound or two initially, but it's going to be very slow over time. So it takes a long time to really see fundamental changes um, with exercise. And we can still be skinny and healthy. There's no, no, no doubt in my mind that that happens. The second thing that we could do is we can start working on our mind and our spirit. We can start meditating. We can start doing deep breathing exercises. We can journal. We can get a pet. We can get involved in our community. And these things also are very beneficial. They're, they're immensely beneficial for our longevity and our health span. But it also takes a lot of time. When it comes to diet, all you have to do is eat well for your next meal and you're already beginning to make a positive change. When it comes to diet, it is difficult to change. It involves learning new foods, it involves learning how to prepare, it learns maybe shopping in different stores or different parts of the store you're in now. But I'll tell you, you don't get injured eating a new diet like you would at the gym. There's no tremendous learning curve, like how do I learn to meditate? There's not a whole lot of learning. It's like, how do I pick up an apple and eat it? How do I eat carrots? So it, it's more it's more learning of adopting a new lifestyle. Fortunately, we live in a day and an age where there is a heightened degree of awareness when it comes to being a vegetarian, being a vegan, being plant-based, eating fruits and vegetables and whole grains. It's not something that's entirely foreign. Uh, if I go out to a restaurant, Many times I'll ask the waiter, do me a favor, please ask the shelf, excuse me, the shelf, ask the chef to cook me something that is vegetarian and uh, comes from the kitchen. Just whatever vegetables they have, prepare me something. It doesn't always come out the exact way that I'd like it. Sometimes there's too much oil in it. Sometimes there's, uh, you know, too many, um, you know, of this vegetable or that vegetable. But most of the time, I'm really pleased I eat well, I enjoy it quite a bit, and I'm the only one at dinner who's left satisfied and not uh, bloated with a food baby. And it's something that you can start to integrate slowly and surely if you go out to eat a lot. Another thing that I'd encourage you to do is start looking for one meal that you make at home that would be a, a vegetarian or a vegan meal that would be plant-based whole food. What I mean, again, by plant-based whole food, not vegetarian or vegan, if I ate uh, with white bread, potato chips, and mayonnaise sandwich, potato chips and mayonnaise sandwich on white bread, 
that it's technically a vegetarian vegan, but it's not a whole food. When we talk about whole foods, the easiest solutions for eating are what we call soups, salads, and smoothies. It's easy to make a smoothie, it's easy to make a salad, and it's easy to make a soup with vegetables that tastes very satisfying and very good. You can buy pre-made soups. There are quite a number of vegetarian soups that are pre-made, minimally processed. You boil them on the stove, you add some frozen vegetables into there, and you have a full meal. You eat that with a sweet potato, that turns into a meal. You might have a slow cooker, an instant pot, and want to make some vegetarian chili. I eat for lunch almost every single day a big uh, bowl of lettuce with hummus on top. Um, maybe I'll put in some avocado or some olive, some sliced onion. I'll put um, tomatoes on top. I'll put in other vegetables. And that's, that's my meal. And I use the hummus as a salad dressing. Um, oatmeal is a phenomenal meal. You don't have to eat oatmeal just for breakfast in the morning. Afternoon, evening, you can make overnight oatmeal, let it soak. These are all just examples of foods. Now, it's, I'm hard-pressed to argue with my, my cousin Arthur. He owns a, a barbecue company. When he comes over with a rack of ribs, I'm hard-pressed to argue with everybody at the party that a bowl of oatmeal is just as delicious as a rack of ribs. There's no comparison. But you know what's more delicious than a rack of ribs? Not having a food baby and feeling good when I'm done eating. And that's something that I really uh, strive to enjoy is how my body feels and functions on a regular basis. So I hope that you have a little bit better of an understanding of um, the, the triune of health, the structure, the fuel, and the mind, and what is a whole food, what isn't a whole food, and how you can really make some small changes in your life that will add up to big changes over time. Thanks for giving this a listen, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another presentation from Q Longevity. We are Drs. Queller and Quartel, and we're happy that you spent some of your valuable time with us. Please find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram, and give us a follow at Q Longevity, all one word. We'd love to hear from you.